I'm going to pause the speakers. Time for just a moment. You'll enjoy the same two minutes as the rest of the speakers. We don't um, actually have, seat, although some jurisdictions okay. do the thing with seating time, this one does not. So you That's get fine. two she minutes. That's fine. She can just person. be up here. Okay. Um, we have a two minute video to show. Okay. It's going to be during her time. Okay. So, first, I'm, I'm Leslie with Housing Rights Committee. 
uh, our, we are backing uh, Coalition on Homelessness's uh, uh, recommendations for these changes to policy. We want you to ban the sweeps altogether, not just during cold weather. Uh, we know that you are uh, you're stealing people's belongings. These policies are a sham. They're not even posting notice. They're taking everything and throwing it in the dump. I personally took somebody to DPW to get her stuff back, and they left us waiting in the rain for hours. This is what happens to everyone when you go there. There's nowhere to park. There's nowhere to pick up your stuff. It's all a sham. So there's thousands of people that are losing all of their belongings ashes of their family members, medication, everything that keeps them whole, that keeps them safe, that makes them understand who they are as a person, they're, you're taking everything, you're taking their lives. So um, this, is, this is a sham hearing, you need to stop the sweeps. Thank you for having the hearing and listening. Um, you need to stay and actually hear all of these stories. Um, and this is, a, it's systemic, you know, you're, you're uh, benefiting real estate developers, causing evictions. We work with people that are evicted and now on the streets facing the sweeps. Um, so it's all connected. Um, so uh, we're here, we'll go ahead and start this. We're with this, uh, we started a project called Stolen Belonging and we're going to show you some of the stories we're taking from all over the city. Um, we're a team working through Coalition on Homelessness and they're all saying the same thing. Everything's being stolen and thrown, thrown away. <coughs> The next speaker's time can begin. Uh, uh, go ahead, Cooper. I'm gonna try to figure this out. Uh, hi, my name is Cooper um, um I happen to be homeless. Um, I work with um, Leslie and the coalition. Um, the sweeps is uh, what, what's happening. How, what is? I guess this is a lie. Is just a kind of the, they're not being truthful. Um, what they're saying, like the things they're saying about the the bus, the buses, you know, helping people get to one place to the other. Um, the stuff not being uh, taken every day. I'm out here on the street on my own time, helping my my San Francisco my, my unhoused residents to move their stuff because the cops have threatened them if they don't move. Guess what? You're going to jail. And if you if you do move. Um, where if you, basically if you don't move, you're gonna get your stuff, you're gonna be arrested or your stuff's gonna be thrown away. And they put the stuff, whatever, they don't bag and tag. It's a, it, it doesn't exist, it's just a cute little you know, thing that they, they, they're giving to everyone to make it. it we, we, we went out there just the other day for someone that got their stuff bagged and tagged, nothing exists, it's not there. Nothing, nothing happens, and we sat there for hours in the rain, hours, and this is the 23rd person that I've gone out there with that has not got one item back from any of these sweeps. Um, what you, what's not being realized, you guys, like, you guys are destroying the lives, the hope, the faith, the, the trust that we have as San Francisco residents. We believe in you. I believe in you guys, and, but guess what? You guys are fucking up. Sorry. And these guys right here, you know what I mean? It's, they're just straight up lying, and it just disgusts me. I'm a disabled firefighter, okay? And, uh, you know, I had 13 years as a firefighter, and all I've done is help people all my life. And just to sit here and hear officers and, and other people in, in a city I believe in um, just lie when I'm on the street and I see this every single day, you know? It's, it's, it's destroying me. I mean, and just, I'm, I'm, I'm a strong person. But just think the people that they're getting their stuff taken every single day, and, uh, you know, Thank you. Um, 
format this and come back up okay. for the other cards. Sounds good. Next speaker. Hello, supervisors. My name is Brendan Schuchart, and I am a board member of the Alice B. Toklas Club. Um, we thank Supervisor Haney for bringing attention to this important issue and investigating the city's response to homelessness during record-breaking storms and cold temperatures. It is unacceptable to provide a mere 75 extra mats for more than 4,000 people in need while 1,300 people are still on the wait list for shelter beds. And is not, it is not only unacceptable, but cruel and inhumane to force relocation and confiscation of people's only possessions, tents, sleeping bags, tarps, medication, and clothing without offering shelter. This is cruel and inhumane on any given day, but especially so during such particularly harsh weather. Alice B. Toklas opposes policies and practices that criminalize the homeless, but this conduct goes beyond criminalization. With criminalization, there is at least a level of due process. These people have had their only belongings stripped away amidst multiple storms and temperatures in the low 40s at the direction of city departments while shelters are full. We know that there is no easy solution to this homelessness crisis, and we appreciate the dedicated city workers who are committed to making a difference. But we believe San Francisco, the city of St. Francis, is better than this. We are better than this. And it is our responsibility to do right by all San Franciscans, including and especially those who are unhoused. We ask that San Francisco leads not with intolerance and aggression towards our most vulnerable, but with compassion and respect. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Is this working? Yes, thanks. Iris Biblowitz, retired nurse, lived in the mission as a tenant for over 40 years, worked at the Windsor Hotel and Tom Waddell Clinic. I just have to say something we all know. 70% of people who are homeless had housing in the past few years. San Francisco has failed these people has not protected people against evictions, harassment, displacement, and not built enough real affordable housing, but have had a glut of luxury housing. The cycle of poverty, eviction, poor health, and food insecurity continues. And now we have the worst case scenario of tent sweeps. People are going from place to place trying to keep one step ahead of SFPD and DPW. We see this in our neighborhood in the mission all the time. People are sleepless, exhausted, very vulnerable to all kinds of very severe health problems, which is something that really concerns me as a nurse. SFPD has been telling people that it's a crime to be in a tent. And some people actually feel safer in a tent than in a shelter, given the history of trauma. Um, some people also feel, feel safer in tent encampments where sometimes they can form actual communities that help each other out, look out for each other, and also give each other time to look for food, because being homeless is a 24-7 is job. So going to find your tent at where DPW, where it's very hard to access that area, there's no bus there, is even more difficult. One of my happiest moments uh, on the street was when I saw a woman lying on Mission Street. She was breathing, we always check, but she was in an awkward position. I didn't know if she had fallen, hit her head, had a seizure. So I asked if she was okay, 
No response. I shook her shoulder. Finally, she slowly lifted her arm up and gave me the finger. I was so relieved and happy that I thanked her. But if it had been... Thank you. Next speaker. My name is Fran Taylor. I'm a pedestrian advocate, and I resent the use of pedestrian access as an excuse to sweep the tents. For decades, I've complained about obstructions on the sidewalk to, to the supervisors, to City Hall. I've never gotten a response. My mother in a wheelchair, we're out in the street in traffic. I'm on crutches, out in the street in traffic, because cars are blocking the sidewalk. Do those drivers have a swarm of cops come and cite them and give them court dates and confiscate their cars? No. I just hear, oh, it's so hard to park. A tent takes up a fraction of the space that a car does on the sidewalk. And this city has never responded to obstructed sidewalks when it's been automobiles. So do San Francisco want to go on record as giving more rights to cars than people? There is a short-term solution. Every homeless person should be issued a tent the size and shape of an SUV. And those, those can stay on the sidewalks forever and no one will complain. And if they complain, no one will, will respond. Thank you. Next speaker. All right, and welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman. Today, it's Friday, March 8th, 2019. Thanks so much for listening in. We're broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio. We're in the Mission District. We're in San Francisco, and we are on Ohlone land. <sighs> Taking a deep breath in, and I, I breath out. I guess it, that's how it works out. So, start off the show, I'll be playing the audio version of a hearing that happened yesterday at City Hall um, under the under the pub- public safety and neighborhood services and it's a hearing and it's called well they called it the uh, response to homelessness in extreme weather so we're hearing the public comment which is many many folks i've only played a fraction there's many more and i would i will be playing many more voices um throughout the program and folks it took me a while to uh thankfully uh, jordan davis had posted a lot on her page and then i was able to watched them live and then of course was late for where I was going because I was so enthralled and like hearing people speak and then this morning I was trying to catch up and hear because I had only watched some of it last night or yesterday and then I wanted to hear more today and once again I was just really enthralled so I would like to provide the video link for folks I'm having difficulty cutting copying and pasting it it's from the SF uh, sf.gov page but then you've got to search for it and I believe it's under the board of supervisors um, however, if you go to sanfrancisco.granicus, and that's G-R-A-N-I-C-O-S dot com, then it's forward slash player forward slash clip. And obviously, there's a more direct way of getting here. I just can't quite get that right now. It's uh, then 32603. But I'll do my best to post it on our page before the end of the program so folks can watch the, f- the video in full. And um, I don't think I'll be able to get to all the speakers, but I want to just definitely highlight a lot of the speakers who made really important points. And it's going against the DPW and SFPD who have for years been harassing and criminalizing folks 
who are, are living who are, don't have stable housing at the moment or have housing and then they they take it they take that the, it's just it's so enraging and i appreciate the folks who with their time went to city hall to provide public comment it's fucking enraging uh and I'm, I know that this has happened and is happening in other cities as well. So hopefully if there are folks who are listening in other cities, um, perhaps pressure um, representatives, if possible, to have a hearing like this to provide public comment. And apparently the police and DPW representatives left before <laughs> the public comment really began or they left very s- soon after. So the folks who are sitting, sitting there listening are some of the members of the Board of Supervisors, however, not the folks who really need to hear what's happening. I would suggest, though, if you're in another city where this is happening, to see what you can do to organize this and to put pressure on public officials to have hearings like this so folks can tell the truth and attest to what's happening and combat the false narrative being put forward by the police departments and Department of Public Works who steal people's possessions and criminalize people and make things a lot harder and cause a lot of harm for folks. <sighs> okay. So we'll be playing some more throughout. And also throughout the, the hearing, they were also naming folks who have passed away uh, in San Francisco. So providing names as well. So uh, just, uh, it's ridiculous. And I feel sometimes I come here and it's, almost like Groundhog Day in certain ways, not quite, but just the, it's the things are so preventable where if everyone just had basic, their basic needs met, housing, healthcare, food, basic needs met, uh, things would be a lot better for absolutely everybody. Yet that's not the case. Finished a book recently. If you feel like being depressed, I don't know who feels like being depressed. It kind of just happens anyway. So I might as well be informed and depressed. Uh, it's called Dark Money by Jane Mayer. There's also an audiobook version of it on the Libby app. So if you, d- not to be confused with Libby Schaff, who's the ugh, unfortunate mayor of Oakland, but there's an app called Libby and you can download audiobooks and I believe other media as well. So there's also an audiobook version of it. And so if that's your thing, if you commute a lot and or prefer to listen, um, in addition to reading or instead of it's another option and it's really informative and it's about like the billionaires and how they just fucked everything up. Uh, it's a, that's not the, uh, that's not on the back cover jacket. They don't, that's not their summary of the book. That's my summary of it. Uh, the Koch brothers and many other folks who just really put so much money into politics and to just fucking things up so badly. Um, in addition to climate change and recognizing that the system that's in place has always been brutal and unfair and unjust. And then they've really kind of made it so just pushing everyone further to the right, where even when Republicans used to be like, oh, yeah, climate change is real, like they'll still fuck with poor people and have really atrocious policies. At least they were like, well, at least we can agree with scientists. And now that's not even the case. So really that and Fox News and spreading misinformation and how it's just been years and years of planning and them working to do that to misinform people and to go against unions, to go against teachers and to go against education and just to pollute the environment and uh, causing a lot of harm to a lot of people in generations to come as well as the planet and all because of greed. Oh, that's, and that's when I, I am waving my hands so emphatically that I hit the mic stand that happens almost every show. I also have a children's book uh, to recommend and I had to order it. On, I went to a lot of bookstores because I want to support bookstores. And however, um, you can also order it online and or tell bookstores to order it, which is a great thing to do. 
and it's called That's Not Fair, uh, No Es Justo, and it's about Emma Tenayuka. And I read about Emma Tenayuka on the show a few months ago, and in one of the articles, it mentioned this book, and I was like, this sounds like a cool book. I want to get it for like some kids. And it's a great book. It's illustrated, and you can find it. Also, like the, it's like an independent publisher, so I would recommend not getting it from, from the ever-present, horrible, conglomerate, gross bookseller online that does a lot of other awful things like collaborate with ice but if you go to ipgbook.com um, you can search for it there and they're the publishers also powell's books in portland they also ship books from them too so if you um my first recommendation is to go to a local bookstore and have them order it and that way you can support the bookstore and get the book um and if that's not an option for you to order it from ipgbook.com or from powell's books Okay, so it's a great book, and it's great for children and adults, I think. It's also, it's in English and in Spanish, and just talks a lot about Emma's life and really inspirational messages, I think, for any age. So I wanted to recommend that book as well. And it was written by, uh, let me get the authors up here, so I can give them due credit, and it'll be easier for folks to find as well. And again, as I wait for the page to load here, it's uh, That's Not Fair slash No Es Justo, and it's called Emma Tenayuka's Struggle for Justice, La Lucha de Emma Tenayuka por la Ustia. And it's written by, let me make this a little bit larger, uh, Carmen Tafoya, and that's T-A-F-O-L-L-A, and uh, Cheryl Tenayuka, and illustrated by uh, Terry Ibanez. So it's an illustrated book. There's also ebook editions available. I'm not too into ebooks because I feel like I look at screens too much as is. However, again, another option for people because the more options there are, the better, right? Great. So, highly recommend folks check out those those two books. That's not fair and Dark Money. Great, cool. Okay, so I will be getting some news stories up. Uh, oh goodness, I uh, I'll I'll read a headline and then complain about the headline. Um, without really getting into the news story too much. I think the headline pretty much says it all. And ugh, now, um, seeing the Pentagon is set to implement a transgender ban. I'm reading that right now, first time seeing it, although I saw earlier today that the Maryland judge has, um, they're going to institute the ban on trans folks serving in the military and recognizing that there's a lot of folks who are anti anyone serving in the military and also recognizing that this is a step for them to discriminate against trans folks. And this is just one step in, in doing that. So I'm wondering where all the cis allies are at. Are you all going to be silent? Are you going to speak up? What's going to happen here? I would hope that folks would, a lot of my things I want to say will probably get me into a lot of trouble, but I mean, the folks who are making these laws need to leave by any means, just get them the fuck out of here because these are folks who are endangering millions of people. So, and I guess the 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 title of the the article is really about the troops. However, this can go on to further. This can go on to other places as well. Like in, I think in Tennessee, they're looking to ban trans folks from using locker rooms. It's really just about banning trans folks, us, as I am trans, from public spaces. So either from bathrooms, from locker rooms, from certain jobs, it's really about not wanting us to exist or pretending we don't exist. And it's fucking disgusting. And if anyone shouldn't exist, it should be billionaires and war profiteers. 
Uh, the world will be a lot safer. I think everyone can agree. So what do we do to make this a reality? Uh, organize. Organize is one way of moving forward. I know a lot of trans folks who are veterans. Um, I know folks who did it as, the, as their only means to kind of survive. And I know vets who have been also critical of the military and recognizing that as well. And also, these are folks who have already served and then might not receive benefits. It's just really fucked up in a lot of ways. So I've also thought many times about... And I, I mentioned that, and I'm not sure if that's true or not, the idea of removing folks' benefits. I'm not sure if that's something that was discussed before. Um, uh, they're complicated with their language, and also it's a fascistic government. So I think it's really important just to understand the repercussions of all the folks that this could affect. <sighs> so, of course, the Supreme Court, full of, well, not full of, but there are many folks there who are fucking assholes, and that's running out of uh, derogative words to use, but so five to four was the Supreme Court, and, uh, and uh, just, uh, there are folks who are saying, uh, there's a lieutenant who was saying, oh, we treat transgender persons with respect and dignity, and they say it's not a ban on service by a transgender person, persons, and uh, it'll be interesting to see where it comes from here. So uh, it's difficult to be in a position where to say not to panic or not to prepare and to not have all the information and also just recognize that this government is fascistic. And yes, the de deportations have been happening since in the previous administrations and mass incarceration has been happening in far previous administrations. So it's more like the system as a whole has been and continues to be fascistic and is continuing to be more and more overreaching and affecting more and more people. So that's something that I am clear on. And it's something that was happening before 2016 with democratic presidents. And it's a shame that it's taken things to get this bad, or I should say, or maybe this far reaching for folks to, to recognize that. <sighs> And I'm speaking from a place of, like, I shouldn't be have to, having to talk about this. Like, it's the idea that trans and queer folks, we, we shouldn't have to fucking advocate for ourselves to prove that we are humans. No group should, no one should have to do that. Yet, that's how we spend a lot of our time. So, feeling a bit frustrated. I also have very, and again, even going in with an understanding that uh, this and this country pretty much it's all it's been built on theft and murder and we're living in it and it has continued it's not like it ever stopped oh goodness it's not 1230 yet and I've already kind of Ugh, well, that's just how I'm feeling. And it's not a comedy show. We did have a comedian in last week and don't often have comedians on this show. And it was very, um, uh, initially he asked, I was like, oh, is this a, a comedy show? And I was like, no, like very, but like, this is not, I would love to do a comedy show. I just, uh, it's not something that, uh, I feel like I'm able to do right now. 
and I recognize there's a lot of really talented folks out there who can find the humor in really awful situations and can turn it around. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate their voices. And I, at the moment, uh, am having a lot of difficulty with that because I'm filled with a lot of rage and uh, frustration and sadness and despair. And this is not meant to make listeners feel, I can't, obviously I can't make anyone feel a certain way. Um, I would like to inspire people to organize. That's the one thing that has always worked to combat this is to have conversations with people is to get to know your neighbors, to share resources, mutual aid. All of these things are things that throughout time have been used to combat people in positions of power who cause great harm. So I want to also just speak out because I know a lot of folks out there are having a rough time. So for folks to just say like, you're not alone and that these feelings, it's, it's natural to be so enraged. And I don't understand anyone who's not enraged when they understand what's happening. It's what we do with that, that anger. How do we shift it? What do we do with it to support ourselves and each other? And I know there's a lot of us who spend a lot of time taking care of others. And what can we do to also take care of ourselves in the meantime? And it it feels really frustrating, especially living in a city like this, that's supposedly like the wealthiest city and supposedly the wealthiest country. And the wealth disparity here is fucking ridiculous. And there are people without their basic needs being met. And on the flip side, there are folks with so much wealth, they they couldn't possibly spend it in their entire life. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. So thank you if you're speaking the truth, if you're working to create a better world. And I get that there are the folks who don't listen, and I don't know. I have some ideas. In an ideal situation, people wake up tomorrow, boom, they're like, oh my gosh, we need to just change our behavior and be kind to everyone and respect people and share what we have and not criminalize people. And instead, it seems to be the opposite, which will lead me into the next <laughs> the next article. If you're not already mad, maybe that should be the new tagline of the show. If you're not already mad, dot, 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 just listen to certain news articles about people in positions of power who seem to fuck it up. And, oh, goodness, goodness gracious. I will... As I scroll down, I will share one positive news story, and that is in Iowa, uh, transgender folks can now use Medicaid for transition-related care. So that's something that's positive. And uh, obviously, it should just be a, of course, everyone should get care. And at the same time, I do want to be grateful for the every step of the way, things that happen that can help people. Uh, I don't know what happened where this idea of wanting to help people is somehow uh, seen as weak or bad. Uh, If everyone wanted to help people, like really help people, if everyone could, and uh, we would live in a much different world. And I think that's what's so frustrating is that there are so many people out there doing that work of actually helping people. And then there's the folks who either their jobs that mean that they can't help people or cause harm. What can, what can be done to stop that? I have some other positive news stories I'll get to. So it's not all, not all hope is lost. I do want to, 
I do want to say that not all hope is lost. There are some positive things happening. And at the same time, it's important to call out people in positions of power who cause great harm. Because, I mean, things won't change if we, if we don't do anything. So here's an article from SFGate. I shared it yesterday. I believe I also shared it on our weekly review page, which is at facebook.com uh, forward slash weekly rev. And if not, I'm going to share it again so folks can, if you're following at home, maybe hopefully or not hopefully, but perhaps you're not on a computer. Maybe you're in a car. I don't, I don't know where you are. I can't see. I don't know where, where people are. Anyway, if you happen to be at a computer and want to like read these articles, I just shared this one on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash weekly rev Bart's fair enforcement program, which has cost $1.4 million since 2018 ends up with $32,287 from evaders. So pretty much uh, by criminalizing the poor Bart ended up just wasting money and further traumatizing people. Great job. That's excellent. The article's from SFGate. I'm going to, I've, I looked at it yesterday. I'm going to get really angry if I, because they're still like, oh, but we're, but uh, they're, because apparently they, they did um, catch someone who had a, like a warrant out for their arrest. That was like their one thing that they're like, well, it's, it's okay because we ended up catching one person. Never the mind that uh, BART police have also killed innocent people in the past. <sighs> I'm of the opinion that public transportation should be free and completely accessible to everyone. And therefore, our infrastructure wouldn't be crumbling so much because people wouldn't be driving as much. Environment would be better because people wouldn't be driving as many cars. There'd be less traffic. It would be better for everybody. I, I don't run things, obviously. I run this show, though, and that's if I could, you know, and I, I get that I'm preaching to the choir, hopefully, maybe. Well, I'd rather, honestly, I'd rather, you know, the idea is that we speak with folks who we don't necessarily agree with so we can help each other build a better world. And at the same time, I feel like I have a lot of trouble listening to capitalists talk or comment or do anything. So it's really frustrating because they're pretty much advocating for the death of people that I love and care about. And I don't have any time or patience for that. Cool. How about a music break? That was a great transition. That was great, Roman. Thanks. <sighs> yeah. Coming in, feeling, <laughs> feeling lots of, lots of feelings. Okay. So here's a song I heard. I uh, listened to, uh, there's a public radio station also in uh, Minneapolis called The Current. They play a lot of great music. So I heard this song for the first time from them uh, recently. So I thought I would share this. It's called Say Can You Hear? And then we'll be back uh, in a bit. Sacrifice was meaningful and in itself. Your job. 
Supervisor, my name is Jesus Perez. I'm with the Coalition of Homeless. I'm just here to come and talk about these people here. They're talking about the belongings. That's a lie. You know, we should have something in paper saying that they're going to keep our stuff. You know, all this stuff is bullshit. You know, they're talking, they're, going, they're saving our stuff and everything. It's not true. They're throwing all our stuff away. We need something on paper saying that they're, not, they're going to keep our stuff. This is a bunch of baloney. Thank you. Next speaker. Uh, I'm Christopher Micah. Uh, I work with uh, DSA. Um, there's too much to say to this. Um, I, I'm overwhelmed by these hearings uh, this last week. Um, I think the primary thing I'm overwhelmed by is uh, the wide, wide gulf between what um, what Salazar has said their policy is for sweeps and what is, what is actually happening in the streets, which like most of these people here know about. P people are getting their tents and their stuff taken. Uh, and. It, what, what it amounts to is harassment and torture of homeless people when you walk through the tenderloin and you see somebody in a chair, in a wheelchair, covered by an umbrella trying to sleep in the rain. That's torture. It's also a death sentence. Um, I want to say that I was homeless 
for a year and a half until last July, uh, and I stayed in the Castro. Uh, somebody let me sleep in their garage, uh, so I didn't have to sleep on the street, but I saw people across from me uh, get uh, swept every day. Uh, what I would say is unhoused people deserve agency and self-determination. Uh, shelters are traumatic uh, and can be destabilizing due to experiences with homophobia, racism, and poor treatment, or because of disability. They are not appropriate or accessible necessarily, uh, and homeless people should uh, have a right to also refuse to be kidnapped and have their stuff taken. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello, Supervisors. Amy Fairweiss on behalf of the St. Francis Homelessness Challenge and Safe Organized Spaces. So let's think about how we have a comprehensive and collaborative solution that scales to fit the size of the crisis. Because what we have is a crisis in a crisis that we're talking here today. Back in 2016, David Campos led the Board of Supervisors in declaring a shelter crisis declaration. That was three years ago. So we've known for three years that we're in an emergency with our lack of shelter opportunities for people. We've known that for three years. There's a difference between not having enough safe spaces for people to go, and then there's a difference with pushing people to nowhere, and then on top of that, taking away any kind of shelter while it's an extreme weather event. So that's a crisis within a crisis. And what's really good about this particular time is that in December of 2018, at the state level, the state of California said, there are so many cities experiencing a shelter shortage crisis, we're gonna create new code for emergency response that has basic health and safety guidelines. And I don't know if there's someone here from SFGovTV, but just to show you that these are actual documents, there's one. And then the other thing that we can use for San Francisco is to build off of what Seattle did, was they had their health and service agency work with the planning department to be able to have an interim permit process to activate underutilized land using these guidelines. So we're supporting a comprehensive and collaborative solution that actually fits the size of the crisis with safe, organized spaces. Please learn more and sign the petition at safeorganizedspaces.org. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Good afternoon. My name is Jordan Davis, and I'm a District 6 resident and soon-to-be member of the Democratic Socialist of America. <laughs> Anyway, let's talk about homelessness. I'm formerly homeless myself. I now live in an SRO uh, up uh, at the top of District 6, run by a shady-ass nonprofit. And if I, uh, I could end up back on the streets because we don't have just cause eviction protections, and I could be one of those people that are being swept up. And you know, I see people camped out near my place. I've seen it in the alleyway, and uh, you know what? I just don't bother them. As long as a person in a wheelchair can pass by because I'm a disability rights advocate and I'm big on access, I don't care. Pitch a tent in the street. We got a, fr we got a fucking shelter crisis, and we need to uh, just let them be. And sometimes I'll admit this, I, I like to scream like, uh, fuck you to the cops whenever they're sweeping them. <laughs> 
And of course, like sometimes I'd say fuck the pigs, but I decide not to disrespect pigs because they're lovely creatures. <laughs> but anyway, we have a shelter crisis and we need to listen to the Department of Homelessness. I mean, listen to the Coalition on Homelessness. Sorry, we should not listen to uh, Jeff Kaczynski. I misspoke there. We should listen to them and their recommendations, especially the three Ps, pets, partners, and possessions. You couldn't get me into shelter if, if, I, couldn't, uh, if I couldn't bring, those, uh, th bring my possessions in. I just wouldn't do it. And there's a lot of people that share uh, my thing. So. Thank you very much to uh, Supervisor Haney and Walton for uh, supporting Stopping the Sweeps. And last week, I gave the uh, most useless fucking department head award to uh, Jeff Kaczynski for his uh, <laughs> bullshit, and that still fucking stands. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Thank you, Supervisors, for this today. Um, Roma Guy, Taxpayers for Public Safety. I just wanted to bring a little perspective on this. The jail is not even named as part of our shelter. 37% of the jail population is homeless. That has increased since the sweeps. It's not a solution. It's harmful to people who are already living in harm. So if you want to check on the police facts, go to the jail, 37%. That's about 500 people. That's bigger than the hospitals. We could close CJ4 if you paid more attention to this. And we ask you to find safer places, not more harmful places, and put the jail on the no shelter list. Thank you. Thank you, next speaker. In memory of Ronald Albinus, age 55, Christine Allen, age 65, Elias Arias Perez, age 32, Roberto Anselmo Avila, age 56, Nicholas Ballad, age 40. Max Bordeaux, 29. Harold Blevins, age 60. Benjamin Bloom, age 29. Leah Bonificio, age 32. Jacqueline Bonner, age 60. Victoria Bowman, age 56. Derek Cole, age 50. Michael Coles, age 30. Rudy Colston, age 69. Gastuvo Contreras, age 55. Laverne Kreiner, age 34. Harold Criswell Jr., age 43. Claudia Colliver, age 72. Robert Carrere, age 60. <clears throat> Thank you. Next speaker. I'm Cheryl. I'm with TNDC and Hospitality House. <clears throat> 
Um, all I could carry was what was precious to me. Um, family heirlooms, uh, survival gear. Um, it was rainy and I, I, I asked them to please give me time to go through my heirlooms. I was told no. Only then in my time of homelessness did I want to die and contemplate suicide. Robert Courier, 60. Julie, Julie Demir, 42. David Diamond, 50. Sylvester Diaz, 65. Monica Fre Freyas, 55. Robert Franco, 36. Robert Franklin Jr., 53. John Gang, 65. Brett Garnard, 45. Wilburn Gillian, 58. Asia Gonzalez, 66. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Walden. Thank you. Next speaker. My name is Catherine Wolf, and I am um, part of TNDC's Community Organizing Department volunteer. I'm also part of a group called Soma Neighborhood Resident Coordinating Resident Council, newly being formed. Um, I myself was homeless. My son has been homeless. He's a vet. Um, my daughter and I lived in an SRO when she was growing up. We were considered homeless by the school district. It is important to help people, and it's time that we do something very drastic now to keep people from dying on the street. In memory of Wendell Hackler, age 78, Dante Hayes, age 41, Francois Heatfield, age 22, Kurt Hellman, age 56, Derek Brown, age 48, William Brown, age 69, Philip Brown, age 44, Michael Buck, age 58, Kyle Budner, age 28, Patrick Burke, age 69, Sharon Butler, age 61, Mark Camacho, age 60, Michael Pan Campbell, age 33, Kaysen Carter, age 42. Francisco Castillo, age 60. Eric Cherney, age 38. Valerie Chownout, age 60. David Oscar Clark, age 31. Richard Knowles, age 50. Travis Lopez, age 43. Lena Marshall, age 50. Artis Mano, age 65, Gaylord Moody, age 64, Joe Angel, Joy O'Connor, age 36. Thank you. Thank you, next speaker. 
I'm Laura Sinai, Tenderloin People's Congress. The sweeps are inhumane, the way they're carried out. In the sweeps, people's lives are extinct. Edward Powers, Jr., 54. Joseph Perkins, uh, 58. Elijah Reed, 34. Robert Reed, 61. Francisco Diaz, 35. Anthony Doe, 46. Daniel Dwaddle, 44. Julian Durarte, 68. Robert Duncan, 64. Alec Desiezico, 63. Andrew Emmett, 32. Christ Eunice, 59. Jaime Modesto Figueroa, 62. Renato Fernandez, 59. John Fett, 68. Donovan Flores, 43. Party Foster, 48. Kevin Foster, 63. Scott Littles, 55. Hal Lewis, 57. Luis Medina Alfaro, 52. Frank Monbach, 60. Paul Moore, 59. Nathaniel Ortega, 51. Tom Perry, 43. Saeed Ramake, 54. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. John McCormick, Healthy Corner Store Coalition, TNDC Community Organizing. Um, in memory of Dwayne Reed, 56. Philip Reshley, 57. Rodney Hendricks, 61. Jorge Hernandez, 46. Moises Hildalgo, 32. Lindy Hill, 61. Cleveland Holiday, 27. Roberto Holland, 31. Uh, Milken Eastleyan uh, Haya, 28. Jordan Janikowski, 24. It's a year younger than I am. Jay Jaworski, 50. Jonathan Jones, 48. Francine Bubbles Jones, 36. Charlotte Jordan, 66. Andrew King, 58. William Kirkland, 72. Nathan Liu, 56. Thomas Lundquist, 65. Emery Meyercord, 44. Jose Monterego Avellino, 49. Michael Nolan, 36. Angelos Pengalos, 36. Chamlat Pumla, 75. Ronald Redman, 57. Kamal Kamal Ragad, 40. Donald River, 57. Edison Rivera, 58. Juan Sanchez, 48. David Smith Haya, 34. Randall Papa Dog Stone Haya, 56. Joe Theodore, 69. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. of the water some my true self 
Money's only paid 
welcome back to Leakly Review. Oh, I love that song. That was Tracy Chapman with Paper and Ink. Oh, music is so healing. Thank you to all the folks out there who make music. Also, today's International Women's Day, which should be every day. I have, I have issue with certain holidays and months, you know, designations where it's like, this is the time when we celebrate. And it's like, that should be every fucking day. Everyone should be celebrated and cared for and recognized every day of the year. And also recognizing that it's happening, working within, within it while, while we are. So the next couple stories I'm going to read are going to be like kind of back to back, um, similar themes. And then I'll get back. There's also just so many more people who spoke at the, uh, at city hall. So I really want to get back to just hearing from more people. Uh, things are better. The more voices, uh, more experiences that we can hear from. So I'll do my best to, to get, th- I also just want to share what's happening. So this is from the site redpepper.org.uk on international women's day. Sex workers are going on strike. Yay. Yay. Sex workers. Yay. Strikes. Yay. Yay. Okay. See, I told you there are some good things happening in the world. Uh, they're demanding decriminalization and full workers' rights, reports Anna Caradona, Donna. And this came out on March 6th. Current laws around sex work, and this is from the UK, of course. Uh, not of course, I shouldn't say that. Uh, uh, yeah, but this is where they're talking about. Okay. Uh, current laws around sex work criminalize the way that many working class women earn a living, many, leaving many workers exposed to workplace exposure workplace exploitation, violence, and police persecution to make work dangerous and jeopardize the lives of workers. And in many legal sex work industries, such as stripping, workplaces are often governed by rampantly exploitative neoliberal policies, which sees workers paying, uh, paying attend work, uh, being fined for minor infractions, and handing over large percentages of their earnings to the house. In many other industries, exploitation and violence might be treated as outrages, um, which should be tackled by empowering workers and targeting shady employment practices. Often sex workers face the opposite reaction as complaints about their working conditions lead many to call for further criminalization, a tactic which only redoubles the problem. So on International Women's Day, sex workers across the country are going on strike to demand a full decriminalization of sex work and better working conditions. A better deal for sex workers is fundamental to gender justice and ensuring that workers' rights are truly universal. These tactics have already seen some success. In the last year, strippers in the new union, United Voices of the World, have begun unionizing their workplaces across the country. They've taken on bosses in unfair conditions, winning thousands of pounds in compensation after only a few months of organizing. Lydia, a 21-year-old sex worker, explained, I'm striking because my brothel manager... Uh, continues to increase the amount of money she takes from us and threatens our jobs when we try to object. I need decriminalization so that I am granted the same protection as other workers and the ability to unionize. Criminalization is often justified under the auspices of quote-unquote protecting women, (sighs) but a combination of legal censure and economic hardship has pushed more women into positions of constructed vulnerability. Low wage, and I'm also just going to interrupt and just to make a note that, of course, that uh, folks of all genders uh, participate in sex work. So 
wanting to put that out there because I haven't seen it mentioned in the article yet. Okay, low wages, benefits, benefit cuts, and precarious jobs have pushed more and more into sex work. The response of the state has not been to reduce austerity, but instead to crack down on sex workers. Police raid brothels, strip clubs, and flats, confiscate earnings, and threaten, arrest, and deport sex workers. They impose fines and prosecute those who work on the streets. Migrant sex workers are targeted as undesirable, held in detention centers, and deported, whilst the hostile environment leaves them even less able to seek official help and frontline services when they need it. This steady marginalization leaves working women unable to access basic protections. So, strikers are demanding that we stop treating sex work like a problem to be policed out of existence and start treating sex workers as people deserving of support, protection, and fundamental rights. Our tendency to exceptionalize sex work as part of a broader trend of policing, dismissing, underpaying, and exploiting labor overwhelmingly done by women Uh, This is why the organizers claim that their demands for workplace justice sketch out a better future for all women, from sex workers to night cleaners to unpaid carers. With other members of Women's Strike UK, on March 8th, they will refuse to do sex work, sex slash work, for money, and will not carry out the domestic and care work they are expected to do for free. The jobs that keep the system tickling, ticking, oh, the jobs that keep the system ticking over... The strike is part of a wider tactic to highlight the fundamental fact that women's work, both paid and unpaid, is the basis for our entire economic system, and yet it is the least valued, the least remunerated, and those who perform it are the most readily sidelined. Molly Smith, sex worker and author of Revolting Prostitutes, said, I'm striking because criminalization prevents us from access to basic... from." (laughs) excuse me reading really quickly here uh prevents us from access to basic labor rights and safety we are forced to work alone or risk arrest the criminalization of sex work is one of the many ways in which patriarchy and capitalism conspire to exploit all women's labor whether we're working in the home the office or the brothel sex workers and other feminists are on strike to demand the society value women's work and women's safety yay amen okay so um, I believe I've shared this on the weekly review webpage and I'm going to going to share it again in case I haven't, or perhaps I'll share it twice. So again, you can find that at facebook.com. I know Facebook's evil dot, dot, dot. I say that on every program, uh, for the time being, it's what, what we use, uh, facebook.com forward slash weekly rev. Also now's a good time to plug the radio station, mutiny radio. We got all types of shows here every day of the week. If you're interested in having a show here of your own, those are available. You pay monthly dues, you get trained, you get two hours a week to do any kind of program you want. I also want to recommend other shows here to listen to. There's a lot of great shows here. So check out mutinyradio.fm labor and love there's women's magazine, global Val, uh, common thread collective, lots of great shows here. I can't name them all. Um, check out, the, the schedule and please do tune in also if you're interested in renting the space for a night um, that's often available or other nights as well contact pam who's a station director and do that it's super affordable for san francisco also if you want to support this show um i do this uh, it's i do it because i believe it's important to get the truth out there and to have a narrative that combats the lies told by corporate media oh goodness gracious and i get that Okay, it's two hours a week. I can only get to so much or maybe only a few issues, and there's so much that uh, we're not being told the truth about or that they're lying about, and also just historically, but we don't learn about. So I want to do everything I can uh, in my ability that I'm capable of to kind of counteract that 
the lies we're told by uh, amplifying the voices of folks that we that we don't hear in in corporate media and oftentimes in history books. So that's why I do the show. I do it out of necessity. It's important. It also helps educate myself. Hopefully, I help educate listeners. I feel, I, I, yeah, I just I learn a lot. The more I read from other folks and hear people speak um, and understand what's happening in the world, the easier it is to see patterns and to understand what has been done in the past to help combat really evil <laughs> forces who are against the will of the people. And also understanding that we are the majority and the sooner we can organize and get folks on board and help each other, uh, the better off we'll be. And also recognizing that it's super difficult because so many folks are in debt. So many people are overworked. People are caring for one another, caring for themselves. It's really difficult. They don't, the people in positions of power do not make it easy. Um, and at the same time, there are so many folks out there who give so much. So the least I can do is try to help and uh, share these voices and provide an audio content once a week. So if you'd like to do that uh, to help support uh, we have a Patreon that's been up for a little over a year. Big thank you to all the donors out there. Uh, it's patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. The first $100 we make a month goes directly to the dues. So thank you so much to the folks who help out. It means a lot to me. And if you're able to donate a dollar a month or more, uh, greatly appreciated. Um, also just grateful for folks for listening and for sharing this with friends and uh, all the folks who help out with the show, whether by calling in, sharing information, all the guests I've had on and will have on in the future, musicians, artists, community organizers, activists, etc. The show is always better the more voices I have on. So thank you uh, for that. Ah, lots of gratitude. Lots and lots of gratitude. Oh my gosh, there's so many. This always happens. I'm like, oh, going on the show, like, uh, I get, I don't necessarily get nervous before the show, but I'm oftentimes like, I don't have... Uh, as, well, as far as organizing before the show or, or planning, maybe planning is the better word. I don't always, I have a, some idea of what I want to do and I try to get guests on ahead of time and uh, based on scheduling, sometimes things don't quite work out and I always want to make sure I have plenty to say and then I get here and I don't always have things lined up and then before I know it, uh, I'm in the second hour of the show and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's still so much to get to. So I'll do my best to get to as much as possible and recognizing there's just a lot and uh, yeah, feel free. I'm also on Twitter. I just mostly, I retweet mostly things because there's already folks who are saying what needs to be said. So I just want to re- retweet those voices. You can follow me at R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R. Also like us on Facebook. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's my plugging section done. Apparently Cynthia Nixon uh, told Mike Pence to go shove it. Those are my words, not hers. Um, but uh, she was, so that's that's a summary. You can find that article at out.com. Also, workers.org had an article recently about Bela Lugosi and how he was a union leader and anti-fascist. I find that super uh, great just to recognize how many entertainers and other folks out there were also activists. And also, of course, the what kept on going through my head was the Bauhaus song. They have a song called uh, Bela Lugosi's Dead. And I kept on thinking, like, Bela Lugosi's a red... Uh, red uh red it's okay i thought it was funny and it's uh it's funny okay i'm gonna i'm gonna still say that it's funny moving along from the previous article i just read about the sex workers striking in england uh scotland um gmb launches scotland's first sex workers union and this came out on march 
fifth, it looks like. And it's from the BBC. I know that they're a bit mainstream. Um, however, you know, if they're going to provide this news, then that's super fucking awesome and wanting to share this good news. Uh, sex workers in Scotland can join a trade union for the first time. The GMB union has launched a new adult entertainment branch, which will invite members from across Scotland and include transgender and BME representatives. What does BME mean? I don't know. I should find that out. The sex workers who fought for the creation of the branch now hope to shape future prostitution legislation. They say that they want to take sex out of sex work and be protected as work. Take the sex. Okay. They want to take the sex out of sex work and be protected as workers. Rhea Wolfson, GMB organizer for Glasgow, was instrumental in setting up this, setting up the branch. I don't know why I'm talking so quickly. I get really, I get really like amped up. She told the BBC Scotland news website, for many years, GMB has supported the decriminalization of sex work to better protect workers. Sex work is work and it should be safe. We are hoping it will become a fully established branch run like any other with elected post holders running autonomous campaigns. Ms. Wolfson said there was huge support for sex workers to collaborate on making the industry safe and to improve working conditions. She said people are waking up to the reality that if sex workers are treated differently, then that is discrimination. The union and the sex workers it represents believe that Scotland uh, has harmful laws on brothel keeping, which isolate sex workers and leave them without protection. An indoor sex business becomes an illegal brothel when it involves more than one worker. Interesting. Uh, meaning sex workers have to operate alone. In 2017, the Scottish government voted to adopt the Nordic model, replicating Scandinavian laws where individuals who pay for sex are criminalized, but those who sell sex are not. Selling sex is not illegal in Scotland, but there are strict laws against soliciting, uh, known as street prostitution, and brothel keeping. Glasgow sex worker uh, Megara Fury uh, fought for the creation of the union branch. She said it was about giving workers the autonomy to be able to run their business however they see fit as long as it is safe. The GMB's adult entertainment branch is open to anyone in the adult entertainment industry, including strippers, burlesque, and go-go dancers, video cam workers, people who make pornography, any form of sexual labor. Ms. Wolfson hopes this is just the beginning of a conversation which actually involves those working in the industry. She says sex workers have been excluded from holy rude discussion of laws involving prostitution. She said there is an estimate that there could be around 60,000... Oh, excuse me, 80,000. Let me make this font a little bit bigger so it's easier to read. Okay. Oh, there's an estimate that there could be around 80,000 people working in the sex industry across the UK. It is a huge unseen workforce, and we need to make sure their voices are heard because for so long they have been shut out of the conversation. Sex work is work and deserves the right to legal protection. The Scottish government has been contacted for comment. Hmm. So again, this is from... Uh, over in Scotland, articles from the BBC, and perhaps uh, some folks here in the U.S. could uh, uh, work to uh, help decriminalize sex work. And also, um, in New York, there's an article out recently about decriminalizing uh, sex work there as well. There's other stories about strikes that are happening too. So since I'm on I'm on a I'm on a run, I thought I would uh, read them while they are oh gosh and there's more stuff to get to fuck okay i'm gonna calm i'm gonna calm myself down a little bit 
I am going to, uh, I'll read some headlines and then if folks would like to uh, read more, you can do that. If you go to popularresistance.org, why workers at the biggest grocery store chain in New England just authorized a strike. I'm also going to share it right now on the Weekly Review webpage. Sometimes I don't always, I share it on one page and not the other. So I'll share it right now. So folks, if you're listening, whenever you're listening, if you go to the Weekly Review webpage, and also if you want to like read more articles like this, check out our page. There's also one more article I'm going to share. And then we'll get into some other, oh, fuck. Oh, just the, oh, I'm going to calm myself down. I don't get too angry. I mean, I'm a human. It's a, it's a natural response to get angry when there's injustice, I think. So I'm not commenting on my own feelings, more just the state of the world and how frustrating it is when there are folks who are just trying to exist and then police come along and tend to, tend to ruin that. That's my, that's my summary. Oh, fuck. There's also, side note, uh, ACLU has an article, which I will also share right now. The government is detaining and interrogating journalists and advocates at the U.S.-Mexico border. Of course, the border is a problem in itself. There's, we don't even have borders, but we do for the moment. Or some people say we do. Um, and many folks have made the point how fucking ridiculous it is that, that they're somehow okay at finding journalists, but they can't find children to reunite them with their families. It's fucking disgusting (sighs) yeah I think I will need a music break after this oh just so frustrating Um, on the picket line historic strike in Pennsylvania and bus drivers unionize in VA so if you go to workers.org they have an article on that and I will also share that right now on our weekly review webpage this is happens when I talk a lot and then I start uh, mixing words together and sounds together Oh, there's just a lot of information to share. So I also just do want to recognize that there are folks who are organizing and fighting back. And as distressful as a lot of things are, there also I want to comment on the, the positive things that are happening of folks uniting. So got to remember that. <sighs> Super helpful. <sighs> okay. So next up, I think some more music would be would be really good. And going to um, calm myself down a little bit. And um, I feel like playing some Joni Mitchell because, you know, that's what I feel like. So here's some Joni Mitchell, and uh, we'll be back uh, after this with some more from the uh, hearings at City Hall yesterday. Stay tuned. Still 
Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Hi, my name is Jennifer Siswandi, and I'm from the Tenderloin Healthy Cornerstone Coalition. And as a Tenderloin native, I just wanted to pay respects and honor uh, my fellow community members who have uh, gone. So, James Williams, 41, Devontae Worley, 23, Alex Herrera, 34, Playoc Nathan Hia, 26, Ezekiel Said Blue, 39. Gary Langaria, 41, Dan Neal, Suni Stone, 62, Donna Guilford, Marcus Robertson, 56, Hector Manuel Cortor, 62, Aaron Ganek, Cyril James, Alan Mungaza, Matthew Roselle, 46, Denise Shipman, 44, Derek Stewart, 58, Daryl Tomlinson, 52, Kwang Trong, 49, Andrew Walker, 37, Michael Wells, 48, Adam Wilson Yaw, 36, Christopher Wyatt, 43, Raymond Hudson, 23, Ella Connor, 24, Eve Gregory Judd, 35, Vicki Trammell, J. 
Joe Palin, Joe Boxer, Javier Solis, Todd Ortaga, Eric Kelly, Michael Lawler, Lauren Paul, Arthur Salvani, 62, Oksana Siratkina Lovalerchik, Brian Stone, Robert Textira, Otis Townsend, Robert Tyson, Thomas Ward, Deborah West, Rudy Wiseman, Newt Youngbear, Juan Davis, Josh Pollock, Richard Trammell, Leroy Brown, Rocky, Justin James, Shirley Wright, Jack Ingle, James Ayers. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Hi, my name is uh, Jaime Valoria, and I'm a Tenderloin resident. Um, thank you for having this hearing. And um, I just want to continue the names of the people that died on the streets because of uh, the cruel um, policy that the city has that leads people to more misery and despair. Uh, so to continue on, um, pay um, respect and honor to these uh, individuals. Harrison Pahe, Mark Adams, Jim Montgomery, Gary Fong, Benny Neely, Catherine Zimukowicz, Christopher Viola, Frank Gutierrez, Ariana Bolmer, John Holmes, Riku Pirtipiera, Richard Brown, Riza Vilshina, Catherine West, Bernard Holbert, Keith Gross, Robbins Simpson, Richard Opido, Jessica Duke, Mark Volkel, Michael Memphis, Pamela Hall, Ernest Leva, Cynthia Hall, Anthony Brown, Stephen Mann, David LeBlanc, Scott Turner, Bur Boris Benado, Sherry Hayes, John Ballard, Tatsuyuki Ito, Eric Fielstrom, Imani Hamande, George Maxwin, Stephen Henson, Brenda Parks, Paul Basket, Michael Hickman, William Wright, Philip Cuneo, Gennaro Carter, Ron Redman, Willie, Ramon Reyes, Benny Chestnut, Johnny Andrews, Hector Flores, Troy Edwards, Joy Martinez, Earl Winson, Melvin Morris, Elwin Benjamin, Kenneth Williams, Jerry Rengro. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. I'm Reginald Meadows from the Tenderloin People's Congress. As I look over to the other side here, I see the cops had ran off. I guess he didn't want to hear what he had to say. He lied all afternoon. I guess he had to get to rest. And many more of whom I could write, or from Ed Lee to now, as he and others of our elected officials allowing the homeless to extend till now out of control housing is being built to benefit the rich rather than the poor people. The police have been act actively removing encampments with tents, taking the tents from the owners to fold, to hold them as evidence, which we know that's not a lie, for their, for their cases, which were not. After the homeless people collect their belongings, which they could not, their area is then cleaned and personal property left behind is thrown away, which has already happened. 
The shelters are in need of better procedures as the homeless are left clinging to the streets, forcing homeless people out of on the streets from 7 a.m. in the morning to late afternoon is unhuman, as they are sent out to be in the cold and wet weather. During the last fires, our city's skies was very smoky and it was extremely difficult and dangerous to breathe the air without proper comp protection. The city did not effectively provide enough masks for the homeless. Many were forced to breathe this toxic air 24 hours, seven days a week. This lack of care and response to the crisis is inhuman. It's time for the people getting paid large checks from our city to do something better than this. They have not done well and Thank you. Thank you. Thank thank you. Next speaker. Hi, my name is Junebug, and I'm part of Poor Magazine. I'm also part of the Hold Plus alumni, and I'm also part of Parent Voices. I'm also born and raised here in San Francisco, and I'm also a formerly homeless person myself. I became homeless, um, the cycle started in the 80s. I was a child at the time, and I was a victim of homelessness um, because of what was happening in the 80s here in, the San, in San Francisco. And now we're here in 2019, and it's just getting worse and worse. The city departments, I charge them with murder, and I charge them with genocide. I charge the San Francisco Police Department with murder and genocide. I charge the DPW with murder and genocide. Taking someone's only means of roof is unacceptable. Um, the police are lying. They actually are violating the laws. They are supposed to give a 24-hour written notice, and they fail to do that. DPW is actually supposed to hold your belongings for 90 days, and they do not do that. Um, sweep, I mean, we're not trash, you know. Um, I think the homelessness are under aggressive attacks. It's been increasing in the city. Um, we need more compassion from our city departments, not aggressive attacks. Um, stop using homelessness as an scapegoat of why the city is dirty. Why don't you have more garbage cans? Why don't you have 24-hour accessible bathrooms? Why didn't the governor, Jerry Brown, when he was in office, sign for safe injection sites? Why don't you provide keys to someone and a lease for housing as opposed to taking their only belongings? You're taking people's medication. You're taking people's property identification. Um, this is an act. The, the thing, though, is that when we talk about who are the experts in this situation, those of us who have been homeless, I was eight years old and I slept in a tent. Who was there for me? Where are you at for the people who sleep in tents? You're taking their only means of housing. We had to sit all day here and listen to these stupid city departments talk, and now they're gone, and we're talking to you, and they're not even here to hear us. This is not okay, and I'll tell you right now, keep coming back until this situation gets resolved.
Next speaker. My name is Kim Mastero. I'm not a politician. I'm a poet. So I can't talk to you on your level in your language from paper and pen. I can only talk to you as this, a human being. And so I appeal to you to come out of the dark of the 250 years you have spent in this building calling us policy. Turn into homo sapiens. Stand up on your feet. Walk out these doors. I have your answer. Send out subpoenas to every building owner in the city that on April 15th they come to this building. You use this paper and pencil to hash out where every spare room is. And you know where it is and everybody has to sign on this paper that we are human and they are to be used for the humans on the street. The next day we go out on the streets. You pull your pants up. You use your phone. Call everybody you know. We go out on the streets. We pick everybody and their things up and we put them in their buildings. Oh, I'm stupid. It's not that simple. Why isn't it? If you can sit here for 200 years and talk about policy as people. Why can't you go back to being a human being, stand up, and walk outside these doors and actually do something? You work for us. You are our employee. We say now, you have to subpoena all building owners to come here April 15th, sign the paperwork to have everybody indoors by the end of the year. Then after the year, all you guys can come back inside your building and talk about all this paper you want to, and then you can exchange this paper all you want. But we'll be indoors by then. You put us indoors, and then you sit here on paper and trade back and forth. That's the way a human really does it. Please turn San Francisco into the first humane city. Be humans. Let us all be human. Go out, pick somebody up off the street, put them in a room, make those building owners be humans. You can do that. You have the power to do that. You really do. You may not think you do, but you do. Please, please go to humanity instead of paper and policy. Thank you. Next speaker. So the only representative of the police has left. Um, you've tried to silence the crowd. You've cut the mics off on people. So even though this is a public hearing, there seems to be some confusion about whether you actually want to hear from the public. But uh, beyond the structural contradictions in this platform, let's look at the structural contradictions in what's been said in this room. It's been repeatedly said that there are not enough beds. It's been said by government officials. Um, and we've heard that beds that are supposedly open are not actually accessible to large groups of people, be it because of trauma, um, because they're likely to be targeted, because of disability, because of mental health distress, et cetera. Um, but the police officer here said that there wouldn't be sweeps if there wasn't available beds. So we're hearing that there aren't available beds, and we're hearing that there won't be sweeps if there aren't available beds. Uh, so by his own admission, he's contradicting his own policy. Um, we've also heard repeatedly that they're contradicting their own laws. If this isn't grounds for firing, I don't know what is. Um, all else I want to all else I want to say is uh, we've got socialists distributing shelters, and we've got men with guns, the repressive arm of the state, coming and taking those shelters away. That's pretty shameful. Um, we've also got socialists distributing masks when you're not, or if you are, you're doing a pretty pathetic job of it. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Good afternoon, supervisors. Thank you for holding this hearing. My name is Barbara Attard. I'm a police accountability consultant. And I want to say that the policy that was read, issued by Chief Scott, sounds humane. Uh, to me, as a 
person who studies police practices and policies. It, it puts the police department, puts police officers in an impossible situation. Police officers are not social workers. If there is going to be a sweep, there should be social workers out there working with homeless people, with unhoused people, and helping them find shelter beds. Cops aren't going to do that. It's just unrealistic. Um, the only time that there should be arrest is if there is a um, additional law, if there's a serious violation in addition to the fact that someone is unhoused and, and, main, and re residing on the street. Other ideas that have been uh, shared here today, use, using un, underutilized housing spaces, safe organized spaces, that's really important. We need to do that. We need to have a response that's in line with the problem here. We have a big problem. And I want to just give uh, the rest of my time to have a moment of silence for all of those names, all of those people who've died on the street. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello, my name is Frank Castro. I'm resident here and I work here in the Tenderloin Soma area. And so many other people are, are way better versed than I am, but I will ask you. Um, I work with the folks out in the street, uh, service provider. And you know, I'm accountable to a lot of people. And when I hear FPD talking about um, tagging evidence, then I'm just wondering that all that evidence should be accounted for, if that's people's belongings and stuff like that. And there should be some accountability. And I know with my job, I have to account for a bunch of other stuff. So when things are taken over to DPW, that they're, and, and I hear, the folks here saying that they'll get back to you with those numbers, I would think that they already have those numbers in hand and those aren't some things that you have to go back for. Because once again, I have to be accountable, not just for the people I work for, but the people I serve. And it's really getting tough because I'm trying to find the folks that I serve and I'm finding them um, secluded in alleys and ones and twos. Um, I did an Narcan reversal on the way over here. I'm having a hard time with the folks that are doing the really difficult work while they're living outdoors and their stuff's getting taken, whether it's Suboxone, whether it's um, Hep C meds, ART for HIV, and getting them reconnected with services. And that's really difficult and it's really hard out there. I'm doing my best and I manage heartbreak and I don't mind the work, I love the work, but this is making it a lot harder. And it's okay if it's harder for me, but when it's harder for the people that I serve, now I'm not just managing the heartbreak they're coming with, I'm managing the heartbreak and the trauma that they're given. I work in harm reduction. My job is to reduce a lot of things, and I'm finding out that I'm having to reduce trauma that is induced by that. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello, my name is Susan Ciutat. I'm a um, small business owner, a former nurse at SF General, and a 20-year resident of San Francisco, public school parent. I know you guys from the school board. Um, 
I, I just want to say that it should not be acceptable for city uh, employees to come into this public forum and completely lie without being called out. And I mean called out by you, not just by noise from the room. Because they're lying. The bag and tag is a joke. Um, I know from friends who are homeless how traumatic it is when these people who are hanging on to life and their sanity by a thread to have their little few precious belongings taken from them. But I also see the cops when I'm driving. You see them loading people's stuff onto their truck. You don't have to be deeply involved with the police force or uh, the Coalition on Homelessness to know that they're lying. You see them throwing people's things away. As far as the tents, I don't mind seeing the tents. I would rather see tents all over the city than to know that these sweeps are taking place that are really a form of torture. And the idea that we need to make the view prettier for the wealthy techies, like they can't stand to look at the destitute people who are struggling in this city, that's absurd. And it has to stop. Thank you for holding this hearing. Thank you, next speaker. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Olivia Glowacki. I'm with the Coalition on Homelessness, and uh, we're going to show you a short video um, from a project that Housing Rights Committee is working on called Stolen Belongings. Coalition on Homelessness. And Coalition is working on it as well. And uh, these are the folks who can't be here today. They came through probably like 12.15 last night. Um, didn't say anything to anybody. They did up front, I guess, but not on this side. And uh, we were in the first doorway, we got up, we went across the street, but as soon as we went across the street, the sprayer came up and the people in the middle doorway are new to the area and don't know that if you don't pick up your stuff and move, they're gonna just keep spraying. Um, and they don't try to spray around you. The, the guy they soaked up here, he was trying to pack up his stuff because he seen the sprayer coming and the dude just kept spraying. The whole time he just kept spraying and like, like he was trying to wash the dude away and his stuff with the sprayer. And that's like chemicals and it's cold. Like he soaked the dude and all his stuff. Like it doesn't make sense why you couldn't wait five seconds. The last time, the, the, the one time before that, I was sick for three days under a tent. And they just came around and they laughed in my face when they got my stuff and I barely came out. And I'm telling them, you took my stuff. I said, just give me that. The dude's laughing in my face and recording me because I, I jumped in the truck trying to get my stuff. He goes, you're gonna go to jail for, for, for getting that stuff. I said, so I don't steal and I don't do anything wrong for you guys to just record me and actually throw me in jail for taking my stuff back. So, he's like. <laughs> like, you know, walk in their shoes. Like, put, your, put yourself in that circumstance. You know, the, the world is a funny place. Anything could happen. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Good afternoon, supervisors. Um, my name is Miguel Carrera. I work here in the Coalition on Homelessness. 
So, for a bunch of years, and I still see no solutions of these issues, homelessness. I heard the officer talking about how helping homeless people, how advocate. So, I don't think the police is the appropriate people to helping homeless people. The police are triggers. They trigger homeless people. When, when the police coming in front of homeless people, we're feeling like, like crap because these are triggers. We have to be honest. Homeless people suffer, tra suffer trauma. I am, formerly homeless, I am formerly homeless too. So everyone who is homeless suffers trauma. Imagine when the police is coming in front of them. It's crazy, it's a crisis. So they talking about you guys, uh, Jeff, talking about to so give you 50 uh, mats. We have 7,000 homeless people. We have 1,300 beds in this whole city. How you want to accommodate all the homeless people in one bed or in one mat? It's kind of really ridiculous. So the bad weather is all year around. Why I say the bad weather is, is, is bad all year round? Number one, because we have a crisis in San Francisco. We need to end in the homelessness, and the only way we can end it, we need to free the money from Proposition C and create the housing, not only shelters, housing and services for every single one. It's the only way we can solve this problem. It's the reason we create the proposition C and we want last year because we want to end in the whole Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Hi, Renee Curran, a 25-year resident here. Um, I haven't been homeless, homeless, but I always worry that it could happen to me. And um, I really wish that the city would develop policy as if this could also happen to you. Um, it seems that when we come to the desires of the wealthy, we always act. But when it comes to the needs of, of vulnerable people, working class and poor people, then we, um, we have studies and we have discussions and you know, I don't know, you know, I just feel like this is just insane. We need to stop the sweeps right now in any weather and not when we run out of beds, but just now, because this is a symptom of something greater and we can't just keep sweeping the symptom aside and, and, and not dealing with the, the larger issue of our wealth inequality here, thanks. Thank you. Next speaker. Jack, Coalition on Homelessness. I'm kind of sick, so I'll try to be quick. We passed Prop F as a city, Prop F, uh, to offer due process to tenants facing eviction. We acknowledge that there is a power imbalance between at-risk tenants and their evictors. That's great, and I'm proud of us. 
However, we are year after year allocating millions of dollars to evicting people who are already on the streets, most of whom have already been evicted from their brick and mortar homes in the city. The status quo is unacceptable as highlighted by Leilani Fara, UN Special Rapporteur on Housing, when she visited San Francisco last year. She said the homeless community repeatedly expressed that they simply wanted to be treated as human beings. It is dehumanizing, demoralizing, and unjust to criminalize thousands of people due to their housing status. That's from the UN. I stay aware of trends regarding housing and homelessness in this and other countries. It's clear that we're going to ban these unconstitutional sweeps sooner rather than later. The decision before you, as supervisors, is whether we should be a leader in the movement or simply wait for more homeless deaths to stack up. These deaths will be of our city's poor, queer, trans, disabled, elderly, mostly people of color, years after sweeps became city policy, and hundreds of deaths later. It is time for this committee and for this city to correct our moral lapse, to stop the sweeps, whatever the weather. Thank you for holding this hearing. Thank you. Next speaker. My name is Laurel Kilgore. I'm a resident of D8. Uh, I believe that the sweeps are inhumane. I support the recommendations outlined today by the Coalition on Homelessness. Um, as we heard today, the SFPD has confirmed that they do confiscate tents even during extreme weather. That's terrible. To the extent that there's any legitimate need for evidence, the police have body cameras, they have phones. That's definitely overkill policy that we need to look at. I also encourage the supervisors to explore further with the SFPD whether uh, any of the officers experience any consequences if they don't follow what was outlined by Chief uh, Scott in the letter that we heard today. Um, and also uh, on the point about uh, communication that clearly isn't working uh, adequately to get turnout for the extra mats. Um, I'll just offer the perspective that we live in a city where every day, every Tuesday at noon, the entire city hears an announcement about a test emergency, and there's some terrible irony in the fact that we can't get out communications in a real emergency. Uh, so I hope you'll improve the process. And I also, you know, one possible uh, thing to look into might be, can we, can we post at least information about 311 on public buildings or on shelters? That might be another option to look into. Um, and I want to thank you for organizing the hearing today. And I'm very disappointed that the other city officials did not stay around for any of the public comment period. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Good afternoon. All right. And looks like we're running a little bit <laughs> low on time, which what happens here. There's a lot to, a lot of news to share. So I will most likely play one more folks person who's speaking. Um, also wanted to didn't get to the protests that were happening um, in Sacramento. So I'm going to play a quick clip from that. I know I'm not I would like to dedicate more time to that. Um, so I'm going to play a quick a quick clip from uh, the Sacramento Bee. And there's also a protest happening in New York. Um, so I'm going to play some audio from this. It's from the California State Capitol. We are fighting the same fight as our ancestors before the Civil Rights Movement. It's our turn. Huey Newton said, the revolution will always be in the hands of the youth. The youth always inherit the revolution. Who do we have here now? The youth, the youth is here. The youth is here. The youth is here. They are our future. You guys are our future. Not only is this the future for us, for our future children. Right. That, that could have been my brother. That could have been my, my friend at Sac High. He went to Sac High. You are welcome here. This is 
your state capitol. So never be afraid to show up, to speak out, show your voice, and make sure that people who are working here know what you're about, because you are the future and you are the present. So you should always be welcome here. But you know what? You'll remember this 20 years from now. The time that you stood up for not only Stephon Clarks, but for all the Stephon Clarks throughout California and our nation who had had unjust endings to their lives. It is with great disappointment, anger, and dissatisfaction that we propagate this letter. We write to you today in response to the recent decision of District Attorney Ann Schubert to not prosecute the officers who fired 20 rounds at our peer, Stephon Clark. It is not only a grave injustice and shame upon her office, but also another stain that will be recorded amongst the pages of Sacramento's disgraceful history pertaining to us black citizens. We will wait no longer and demand that police use of force laws and policies are reformed immediately. 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 All right, so... Um, so folks, uh, students, high school students, um, and many folks have been continuing to rally in, in Sacramento and in New York. If you are interested in supporting, there's an all-out for Stefan Clark uh, protest, the non-indictment of his murderers, uh, fuck the police, Black Lives Matter, when it is um, happening on Sunday, March 10th at 6.30 p.m. at Grand Central Station in New York. So if you are on the East Coast and able to make it. Again, this happening Sunday, March 10th, 6.30 p.m., Grand Central Station. <sighs> lots to lots to take in. Um, grateful for folks for continuing to, to speak out and to show up. And definitely find a lot of patterns here with the folks who are causing the harm. <sighs> okay. Whew. Deep breath. Uh, Women's Magazine, unfortunately, is going to be off uh, this week, um, sending lots of... Love and hoping that Val feels better. Uh, Val will be back in a couple weeks on the 22nd. Uh, also, Common Thread Collective is um, off this this week as well. Um, I'll be playing um, previous episodes of those programs, and you can also check out the archive for previous episodes of this, as well as other uh, programs here on Mutiny Radio. Oh my gosh. Just a lot going on. A lot, a lot to cover. I appreciate folks for listening. Um, thanks for showing up in the world and, um, we'll, uh, we'll end on this song and, uh, stay tuned for, uh, last week's episode or two weeks ago. Let's see what's week. Oh my gosh. We're only in March 8th. I've already lost track of the time. Coming up next will be last week's episode of Women's Magazine with Global Val. So please do stay tuned for that. And here is a cover of a song which I think is quite appropriate for every day. Women of the world, take over. Because if you don't, the world will come to an end. And we haven't got long. Women of the world, take over, because if you don't, the world will come to an end, and we haven't got long. Men have had their shot, and look at where we've got. Women of the world. 
take over because if you don't the world will come to an end and we haven't got long women of the be there I want to go there so a lot of times people ask me why do you come here oh my god you came here by yourself your parents your family are all in America um, at the time when I came here I I just like this is a dream I did not miss my family um, good my family didn't understand English so they were never know this I said that <laughs> but I think it is in a way that I just want to be at a place to be who I am to say 